Welcome to Beer Net Radio. Listen to on every continent except Antarctica. B double E Beer. Well, then I guess you were right this whole time. No, I can only hear myself when I plug it in there. Um, yeah, I don't. I was. I was just doing a bit. I just thought it was <laughs> okay. funny. I hope you didn't like sweat it. Um, uh, I lost sleep. Well, I'm sorry, Jordan. That's okay. But no. Uh, yeah, I just noticed that you had one wire and I had two. It's okay. It's all right. It's I, cool. know, I know. Cool. We're all cool here. Biscuit, are you cool with it? Biscuit. Biscuit no, seems yes. cool. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, she's wagging her tail. Um, so how was, uh, how was your weekend? It was good, man. I want to hear about the big wedding though. Mm. It was great. Um, went off great. All his friends are so cool. Her friends are cool. Nice. Her family's very cool. It was good getting to know them better. Great time was, was had by all. It was good to see my sisters and my mother even went and had a, had a good time and, it was kind of hot, I will I will say, Jordan. I don't know if you know that Houston bit. this time of year. A little swampy. Yeah, it was an outdoor reception. It was at their home and which is a beautiful home. And uh they really did it up. It was uh it was epic, as the kids say. And sweet. Yeah. And uh I have other big news. Are you ready for it? Yeah. Hit me. Yesterday, Wyatt started as a merchandiser at Brown Distributing Company. Hell yeah. Way to go, YY. Way to go, YY. This is for our segment, Where's YY? Oh, <laughs> right now, YY is miserable in a grocery store somewhere around Austin, Texas, loading shelves in anticipation of Memorial Day weekend. I told them, I said, wow, you either started at the wrong time or the right time because yeah. this is trial by fire and you can get through this. Uh, rest will be easy so he's out throwing cases uh very proud of him uh kind of sucks that it was he started the day after you know his brother's wedding which was because it was a you know kind of a baller weekend in houston everybody had a good time but he woke up sunday drove back got a lot of rest and uh had a good first day i I think he's working today too very you know is if you're going to get started in the beverage business, that's the way to do it. I think just throwing cases, getting a feel for, sure. for it. Have all your sons um, had a stint in the beer business working for a distributor? Yes. That's why they're not in it. <laughs> okay. I was going to ask, who do you think yeah. will, um, so, who do you think will actually stick, I, stick I, in the business? Well, why it's my last one. So if he, uh, the other two have, he... are out, I don't know. We'll, I told him just it's, it's tough work. You know, Harrison merchandised for a summer or two at, in Austin for, you know, uh, for Capital, right? You know, it was called Keg One back then. And yeah. and he was like, you know, I am I think I'm going to go in for an office job. <laughs> <laughs> a job that has air conditioning where you wear, you know, nice clothes. And so, yeah, he decided to go into real estate. And he's doing very well. And then Hunt's more of an art guy. So. Yeah, Hunt, Hunt worked in the draft department here at GLI, which is now Glaciers in San Antonio. And that prompted him to pursue art as a career. <laughs> All right. Come on, YY. So, I know. Come on, YY. 
the hell's wrong with you? He's our last great hope, Jordan. Mm-hmm. We'll see if he can cut it. Biscuit couldn't cut it. Hell no. She just wants to ride on top of the cases, the Budweiser wagon. I'm like, Biscuit, yeah. you're, you're not the right type of dog. Don't even, uh, don't even try. She's the right type of dog. She's just about a decade too old. Well, I mean, I guess they have the Dalmatians, but if she wants to be in a Super Bowl spot. Right. She has to be a puppy. Yeah. Right. And she doesn't understand that because, you know, we still think she's a puppy. We treat her like. So your baby doing all right? Baby's doing good, man. Baby's sleeping really well. Yeah. I noticed you're inside for this podcast. This is uh, this is epic. Speaking of epic, uh, let's talk to these folks at uh, at Epic uh, Epic Western. Let's let them in for a change. Let's let our guests in for a change. How about that? Catch me outside. I'm supposed to have like the fastest internet in the history of San Antonio. That's what they tell me too. And it's still, terrible. Still yeah. lagging. And it's the middle of the day. There's nobody around here. The reason I know nobody around here is doing their internet because they're all out in their yards with their blowers and their lawnmowers. <laughs> That's how I know they're not inside. Hello, gentlemen. Hello. How's it hey, going? What's going on? Hey, guys. Thank you. Welcome to BeerNet Radio. My name is Harry Shoemaker. I'm the publisher of Beer Business Daily, Craft Business Daily, and Wine and Spirits Daily and on the line. We also have Jordan Driggers, an editor for Beer and Craft Business Daily. And today we have the co-founders of Epic Western. Guys, thanks for being on. We have uh, Royce Itchner, Adam Love, and Dub Sutherland. And guys, uh, you know, I know the story. I love to dove hunt. I love drinking ranch water out on a tailgate. So kind of uh, tell us the story of, of, of how this came to you guys and, and how you went about launching it. Well, the three of us drink ranch waters. And, uh, you know, if we're going to make a cocktail, that's what we drink. And, um, you know, one too many times we found ourselves playing bartender. And, you know, specifically we were, there were several occasions, whether it's at the lake or back to a barbecue or on a dove hunt where they were where with a Yeti cooler on our tailgate, two bottles of Don Leo Blanco, a case of Tempo Cheek on a stack of limes. Instead of dove hunting, we played bartender the entire time. And, right. you know, kind of jokingly, we all said, well, man, if somebody could can this, it sure would make life easy. And, uh, you know, we didn't do anything about it. That was back in September of 19. We all have our day jobs. I'm in the real estate business. Dub's an attorney and Royce is a banker. So we all went back to went back to work and didn't think twice about it. Um, come November about 19, we started seeing things hit the market, you know, claiming to be ranch waters and we were all selfishly excited to uh you know somebody had solved our problem uh, playing bartender started buying these products and trying them and quite frankly Harry, they all just tasted horrible we couldn't stomach them we'd, we'd pour them out um, again didn't do anything about it uh went back to our day jobs didn't really didn't think twice about it until me being in the real estate development business um, i had a project in south san antonio where I had seven different restaurants, sit-down restaurants that I was going to do build-a-suits for. I had a theater build-a-suit in a LA fitness build-a-suit. I thought I Amazon-proofed my retail development, but evidently I did not pandemic-proof my retail development. And so it was February 11th of 2020. You know, we had this idea in the back of our heads, but we didn't have the time to, to, to go pursue it. Well, I started getting phone calls from LA Fitness and Outback Steakhouse and BJ's Brewhouse, you know, all the folks that I was hoping to do this development deal. And 
they're like, we're out. You know, there's a pandemic. We don't know how we can expand around the country. Um, so really those asset classes that really got crushed by COVID were what I was working on. And um, it gave me the time. I, I literally, it was that day, I called Royce and Dub and said, I got all the time in the world. Let's go, <laughs> Let's go try to make this happen. Um, we, uh, we started by hiring the liquor attorney in Austin and asking her the question of why somebody wasn't canning a drink like we make at home with 100% blue agave tequila. And her simple answer was, well, the only legal way you can do that is you have to can it in the region where that agave plant is grown, and that is Jalisco, Mexico. So again, we kind of laughed like, well, no wonder. Um, but yet again, you know, Royce and Dove, their, their jobs were still going. Mine was Groundhog Day. Real estate was dead. And so I I had the time to kind of keep brainstorming on this thing. And, um, you know, it dawned on me that back in the real estate world, you know, I never thought about bunch of relationships with folks in the beverage industry that for some reason or another, I just had a lot of folks that I knew in the industry. And one of my good friends, um, he's an Anheuser-Busch distributor, and he had uh, been importing a tequila out of Jalisco. And I thought, well, maybe he can connect the dots with somebody down in Jalisco and, and get us, you know, at least point in the right direction to find a canning facility. Um, so he, uh, he did, he connected us with the, the gentleman down in Jalisco and, um, at first they, they didn't know of a canning facility and said, you know, if we find one, we'll give you a call and kind of laugh, but well, I won't hold my breath for that phone call. Sure enough, about two weeks later, got a phone call back and said, they found a co-packing facility that could produce, uh, a lot of cans a day. And so, again, us not knowing what we were doing, we were basically building the airplane while we were flying it. We, uh, we asked um, what tequila we might um, use. And if the distillery was near, near, nearby, sure enough, it was about a mile away. And so we, we asked Fernando to start shipping us that tequila uh, in order for us to attempt to find a, a, uh, a test kitchen to start making samples. Thank God for, for Google because that's what how we're making our way. And sure enough, Fernando shipped us uh, tequila. I think he shipped 10 cases to us. And remember, it had to be in its final format. So it was in the 750 bottles that you would buy in a liquor store. We got, got our hands on that tequila and uh, found a test kitchen here in the United States. Shipped the tequila to them, had a conversation, explained what we were trying to do. Um, we were trying to, the, the first you know, skew was going to be the ranch one, one that we make to home. And um, so they started making samples. And uh, samples one, two, and three came back. And quite frankly, they were pretty bad. It was, uh, the lime was just off. It tasted very similar to a lot of the products that are out on the market. It had a very synthetic, chalky uh, lime taste. And, you know, us not being from the industry, I think was a blessing in disguise because we just kept going. And we kept telling each other, you know, we're not going to settle for, for a product that does not <laughs> taste like what we make at home. And so right. um, we knew we had to solve for that lime component. Uh, we ended up finding a dehydrated lime um, 
manufacturer in the United States. They actually dehydrate all kinds of fruits. Um, got our hands on that, sent it to the test kitchen, and they made samples four, five, and six. Um, and I say that like this was happening in very quickly. This was now well, where we dubbed. We were probably late summer by the time we were summer of 20, by the time we had samples four, five, and six. Yes. I mean, it was, it yep. was taking some time to get these samples turned around. So samples four, five, and six came back, and the line was right this time. Um, it was actually spot on. Those, uh, those samples were flat tasting. As you know, if you make a ranch water and you make it with a Topo Chico, you don't make it with a LaCroix or a club soda. So we knew we had to solve for that. So we called the test kitchen and said, you know, the lime's great. We're moving in the right direction, but the drink's flat. What's the story there? And we said, well, if you go below 7% ABV, you've got to heat pasteurize the can. If you heat pasteurize the can, it takes away from the carbonation. And, and this, like, we kind of stumbled upon that right there. They, they solved the problem. Two things for us. We wanted to be a premium cocktail in a can. Not, we're not competing with the seltzer. We're not a beer. We're not a malt-based ranch water. We are, you know, creating something like we, we make it at home. And so the simple answer was there. Don't go below 7% ABV. Um, that'll boost our carbonation and, and it'll be a premium cocktail in a can. And so uh, it was samples seven and eight came back. Um, we're now fresh from memory, guys. I, I wanted to say we were close to like Christmas time of 20. Yeah. Yeah. It was in the, yeah. the fall. Yeah. Winter. These samples came back and uh, we tried them. We chose the 10 percenter because we like a heavy pour of tequila in our, in our cocktail, like that flavor profile better. And it was that like aha moment. Like we had a product to sell. Um, we had friends and families over, friends and family over. Um, to do a blind taste test, and it was unanimous. Everyone chose what we were pouring out of the can rather than what we were making by hand. And, and I, we, we say, you know, that's, there's no operator error. You know, the bartender's not put too much lime, or it's a bad lime. The recipe's right every time. Um, so there we were, you know, somewhat still not knowing what, <laughs> what to do. We had a we had a beverage, we had something that we could sell, but now we needed to brand it. And, put a name on it, all those things. And back to some of those relationships in the beverage industry, um, time and time again, folks guided us to it. So we hired a real estate and we started that process of going through the naming and um, branding of uh, what was soon to be Epic Western. Um, it, it was about that time, an old friend of mine uh, from Austin, I, I'm from Austin, now I live in San Antonio, um, he, uh, he and his wife moved their family from Austin to San Antonio and happened to move right down the street from me. Uh, he happens to be the founder of Yeti Coolers. Uh, my wife and I had a you know, welcome to San Antonio dinner for them. And Roy Cedars is his name. And he asked me what I've been working on lately through that dinner conversation. And I'm sure he was ready for some real estate story. And I, I started telling him this story right here. And um, just being an old friend, he said, man, I'd love to give you my advice on, you know, branding this thing and going through names and going through your brand pillars and mission statement and all the things you do to build a brand. And, um, so, yeah, he started coming over and helping go through that process and giving us advice. It was about two weeks in that, uh, of him helping out. It realized, I realized that if we were in the fashion industry, we've got Ralph Lauren sitting in our living room. Um, so, <laughs> 
that was that was the time we asked if if he wanted to get involved in a bigger capacity. And, um, he, he said, yeah. And so uh, the two founders of Yeti Coolers came in as our original capital partners. The current CEO of Yeti uh, is in our deal, uh, which makes up Yeti Capital. Uh, current CEO of Cortec, who's one of the early investors that came in um, and invested in Yeti and basically took him to the moon. And the ex-president of Jim Beam Distillery for North America. And that made up our original capital group um, that uh, also legitimized us. Um, a lot of a lot of naysayers along the way, um, us not being from the beverage industry, um, you know, they, they said, you know, you're not going to get distribution. You're going to be begging for people to take you. Um, and one, we had a premium product that was great. Two, Yeti Capital came in and believed in us and some of some of the relationships we had, we had statewide distribution. Uh, in fact, we hand selected who we wanted in, in the state. Um, it's statewide dis- distribution within I don't know 60, 90 days, and launched. You know, as you guys know, back in the fall of twenty one, um, we were planning to leave the state of Texas for a few years. We've now launched into Nevada, South Carolina, Tennessee, as Today, we are launching New Mexico. We'll be launching Colorado in a few weeks. I guess California, Louisiana, uh, soon to follow. And we launched there are two new SKUs back in uh, March of 22. Um, those two new SKUs, as you mentioned, the, the cheese spin, the Paloma um, sales went up. What was it, guys? Almost 300%. There's the, there's the cliff nuts of how we got to where we are today. <laughs> Well, that's that's uh, that's interesting because I, I, you know, I was one of those people. I remember when you started and my first thought was that's what the world needs is another seltzer, you know. Um, right. But, and, uh, you know, going the real agave route, uh, making it very upscale, I think was probably differentiating. Now, you know, uh, you know, you had mentioned that that you were friends with the AV distributor and you got set up with the AV network in Texas. Um, right. What have you done as you guys have expanded outside of Texas? Have you stuck with beer distributors or are you going more with uh, wine and spirits houses? The wine and spirits house, uh, Republic National Beverage. Uh, you know, early on came in and they just weren't ready to take us. Well, the relationships we had that got us to the dance, that's that AB house made the connection down in Malisco. We had to go with them. They've done a great job. Um, but we're also managing a bunch of different distributors throughout the state of Texas. And as we were looking to launch into other states, you know, I thought if we go the AV route the whole way, we're going to be managing a hundred different distributors. I mean, this is going to be a full-time job and thank goodness Republic saw what we were doing, uh, wanted to bring us, bring us on. And so they're, they're going to take us in all the states that, that they have um, control of. And that's not to say we won't be with some beer houses, in other markets, it just kind of depends on where, you know, what territories Republic has. Um, what is, uh, tell me how uh, uh, sales are going and how, you know, repeat buys in your oldest markets. Um, yeah, sales are great. Um, we are, you know, it, it's, it's thing, this thing doesn't happen overnight. You know, we're building momentum. Um, we've got a robust marketing budget and, um, you know, our, our pull through on the shelf is, doubling 
some of our competitors that are out there. Um, in fact, South Carolina specifically, we've uh, almost tripled accounts sold into and pods uh, compared to some of our competitors. We didn't get a full summer. We didn't get a spring at all last year. You know, it was August of 21 when, when things really um, started to ship. And then so we rolled into the fall. Um, that being said, we also knew that our ranch water, which you know, we made what we wanted. That was always a guiding principle was if we're not, if we weren't going to make something that we would drink every single time and thought was, you know, worth it, then it, it wasn't worth doing. There were enough, you know, n- not just seltzers, but um, other mixed O type beverages uh, and items coming on. So we stuck to that, wanted to cement our place with the ranch water, given the popularity that it had, but knew all along as we developed the Paloma and cheese burrito flavors, that those were likely to be, bigger sellers because of the, the flavor profile. It appeals to more consumers. You know, there's no sugar added, but it's got sweetness. Um, it's got a little more lime. It's not as tequila forward. And so not nearly as tequila forward. And so that was something we knew. And we've seen that already this spring in, in those sales numbers. The, the repeat by numbers on the ranch water are great, but the other two are more broadly appealing. Um, and so right. they're, uh, they're doing very well in all the new markets. So it's, it's been fun to have a cohesive launch in some of these states with all three flavors and see what that can do. Right. And I'm curious, the further away you get away from, from Texas and specifically South Texas, do people scratch their heads and say, what the hell is a Paloma? What is a Chispa? There's some, there's a learning curve, but you know, if, if you're probably very aware of what's going on with this tequila category. I mean, it's looking at the next two to three years to surpass um, vodka. So, um, you know, Believe it or not, the Paloma um, across the, the country is probably more well-known than, than any of them. Yeah, we okay. started seeing that in our tastings early on with the ranch water. We would talk about the line expansion when we were all working tastings and talking to folks. And and it's surprisingly to us even on the – and it may be because, I mean, in our opinion, anyway, there wasn't a good you know canned cocktail margarita out there. But we uh, we had that feedback at a lot of tastings in Texas was, oh, I love a Paloma. That's my favorite. And, you know, people like margaritas, clearly. But um, the Paloma was repeated more often, which, I you know, it's just anecdotal, but it was interesting to us. And, and there does seem to be enough knowledge out there of Palomas. Right. I was going to say, what about the Chispa? I don't know if I've heard of another company that's brought a Chispa to market. So I'm really curious to hear how that line extension yeah. is doing. Very well. Let's lockstep with the Paloma. I mean, when, when you look at what it, you know, what it's labeled as, it, it's a skinny Rita. Well, one of the things that I wanted to talk about, um, uh, James came to San Antonio and we had drinks briefly uh, a few weeks ago and we had talked about, and maybe this is goes back uh, uh, to, to kind of your Yeti aesthetic that the, the, your brand has a definite aesthetic. It's uh, I would say it's a ranch uh, hunting, outdoors lake type aesthetic your your instagram all of your ads your websites everything has kind of that that same look how important was that going in it was that always the plan or did you kind of come across that what was interesting about that is that goes that takes us back to gorilla suit um when what what's been amazing throughout this whole process is how aligned the, the three of us are and they 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 put us in a room separately and interviewed us for I don't know, an hour and a half, two hours. And one, we were doing this because we were tired of playing bartender at the lake during a hunt, you know, on the boat 
whatever we happen to be doing. Well, then when they interviewed us and what our vision of the brand was, it was just spot on everything outdoors because that's why we're creating this RTD. So we don't have to lug, lug our Yeti and our bottle of tequila and our Tobo Chico's and ice and cups and all the things that we've been lugging around for so long. Right. Well, isn't it interesting that, uh, you know, they, uh, they entrepreneurs created a product that was a 50 pound cooler. And then now they're creating a product to fix the problem of having a 50 pound cooler. See, I mean, this is brilliant. You're making money on both ends. Look at that biscuit. <laughs> what do you think about that? Biscuits? Like I want to be in that business. <laughs> so, uh, when, when you go, uh, when you're uh, going into these, uh, new States and you said you're, you're with, uh, R and DC, how do you, uh, break into a new state and, tell the buyers this is for a reason for being and, and uh, you know, sell the product in. A lot of that is just the story you heard from Adam. And I tell people all the time, all the time. Well, I'll tell a quick story and I'm not going to mention any brand names, but we were going to go into South Carolina, Louisiana and Colorado with RDC, the first three states. I was told we can't go to South Carolina. We need to pick another state because we recently had launched another brand that may or may not have some similar SKUs. And I found out what that brand was and said, no, 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 That's exactly why we created what we did with 100% Blue Guy Tequila. We have to launch South Carolina now. And they launched us and we, uh, we have tripled their that specific brand's sales within a three week period. And they've been in the market six months. But I always tell people, Adam, you're uh, you're oh, breaking. We're up. losing you, Adam. Yeah. You know, I think you know, He's, I you he, know, I think the other thing to add there is that if if we get you know if we get these folks to taste our product, it's usually a huge you know it's usually a huge thumbs up. I mean, we've had we have countless stories where um, whether it's a distributor, you know, whether it's a retail store, if we can if you know if we get the product in their hands and they taste it, then um, it's let's go. And that, and that, that's been the case, not just in Texas when we were launching, but that's been the case in these other States too. A good data point to that is we launched, um, well, two things. We have a very big tasting budget because of what Royce just said. Like if we can get people to try it, we win new consumers. We launched, I keep going back to South Carolina because it was an exciting launch. It was the most recent, um, we launched Charleston without any marketing. Um, James uh, chose a, a music festival for us to sponsor. Uh, we have 30,000 people in a two-day period. We're going to come through this music festival. Um, the concessionaire brought in 120 cases for two days, which was a lot of product. I showed up and looked at the menu board at the bars around this music festival. Beer, $12.00. Handcrafted cocktails, $14, right below that. Epic Western Chispa, Epic Western Paloma, $17. And I thought to myself, here we are launching a new state and we are set for failure by, based on where this concessionaire priced us. Well, the music festival started, you know, I was buying some folks some cans and a few hours into it, looked around and started seeing some cans. Um, James had done an amazing job and had, a, had an airplane actually flying around with an 80-foot aerial banner. And you could kind of hear people like looking up, 
What's up a question? You can kind of hear some buzz. Anyways, I ended up leaving the music festival. Um, went back to my hotel and woke up the next day. And I got a call from our director of sales for, for South Bryce, you might want to pick it up where you left off, but I'm guessing the cases were gone. But they're, I, they're gone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, there you go. That. I know the they, end of that it, story. Yeah. They had burned through those cases. Well, I mean, and that, that is a, a that's got to be a challenge you guys have because you come in a premium four pack. It's in a different kind of uh, uh, contain uh, a carrier. Um, yeah. Where are, where, where are you priced in that, in that realm of can cocktails? Sixteen ninety nine to nineteen ninety nine a four pack. Okay, so that's that's in range with others. Um, the uh, you know obviously you 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 pay uh, that higher tax. You can't be in grocery stores here in Texas. Uh, yep. You know until uh, until you, you get that fixed, right, Harry? You're gonna well, lobby next next session. <laughs> I, I ran into Joe Strauss and uh, uh, made an ass of myself. I hadn't realized he had retired. Um, but, uh, you yeah. still got influence. It's okay. Yeah, he does. He does. Cause, cause that's what we always talk about is why, why can cocktails can't be an H E B. Um, but all right. Well, uh, uh, and, and ha- does that kind of influence which States you choose to go into it, is kind of what the laws are in that state? You bet. Very much it, so. it, abs- it absolutely a, does. Yeah. We've got a map no. of different tax rates where we're just going to avoid certain States until but what about DTC? Do you all have a, a DTC business or do you leave it more for a Not baseball? yet. No. Yeah. I imagine we, that's we, hard we, with an 8% tequila based product. Uh, yeah. I, I, the world, I'm sure the world will get there eventually. Um, but, but right now we don't, um, you know, where the, the platforms will actually be able to do it. There'll be enough states to really justify it. Uh, but, uh, but back to your, your question on the, both from a tax standpoint, from an ABV standpoint, you know, state law, we're very specific about what states, you know, we go into, uh, right. you know, we had some opportunities in, into a few others, but they just, they weren't worth it. You can't justify it. So. Right. It's, yeah. it's such a different product. And when you've right. gone into states where you can compete with malt based products that are, you know, similar, um, ranch right. wires, what have you, um, when you can compete toe to toe on the shelf, uh, have you, what have you seen? I, I mean, what we such different well, products that it's hard to, you know, that's really the, the, why we created the beverage we did because we we just we say all the time that those malt beverages, malt based martinis, just they're, they're not our competition. They're different. It's a different category. In fact, you'll see some of these liquor conglomerates that are buying up companies that are malt based and mixed up and using 100% blue agave tequila. They're just different categories. Yeah, I, I think you're right, Adam. I, I think even a year ago, people thought they competed, whereas now the consumers starting to realize what the difference is. And, and yeah. you know, we re-reported earlier this week that High Noon is specifically calling out that they are vodka-based in their TV ad, their first we, ad campaign. We posted that, Harry, in our in our Slack channel for our team and all loved seeing that because that's that's exactly <laughs> right. It's it's consumer education. And uh, but our thought was, hey, man, if it's not 2000. It's 2022. So why are you waiting on vodka when everyone knows tequila is the better product? Um, so, yeah, we're going to keep educating consumers, you know, seltzer, seltzer. And, you know, I was 21 and in college and looking for volume buys on the cheap. 
And uh, that would have been my place had it existed. But um, I want a cocktail now. I want something that's got value, which is different than buying something that's cheap. Yeah. And this also ties back to kind of your question about packaging and brand. I mean, all of that, like, like I think we knew getting in this process, this was going to be a culinary education process. And so we were, we were very, very thoughtful about how do we educate the consumer on the package so we can distinguish ourselves on the shelf, knowing that we had to support that with tastings and marketing and all those other things. But, you know, we certainly felt like the package was the place people were going to pick it up and look at it and read about it. Yeah. And, and there was, I'll just say going, going a little bit back to the, the origin story that Adam gave, I mean, that, that was it. We understood once we saw the lift that it was going to take to, you know, fly to Guadalajara, drive into tequila country, find a distiller, find a co-packing facility, you know, bring all this together. Plus we have very specific ingredients that we use that have to come from stateside into Mexico only to come back across. And when we went through that, we, we saw, I mean, I get why certain other brands like Seltzer's that had visions of being a ranch water dropped off. And then I saw why people used Mixto made total sense. It's a lot of damn work to get this all done. But again, we just were like, what, what, this isn't, if you're going to do something, you know, do something epic. Like don't, don't stop short. Uh, don't do something you wouldn't use yourself drink knowing that you had a chance. And so, you know, win, lose or draw, we were going for it. And, um, and so it was always a premium product. It was always something there wasn't this canned cocktail when we came out. I mean, that was a big discussion. A lot of, you know, the, the Yeti guys, when we were talking to them and they were getting educated, others in the industry, as you can imagine, were like, what are you, what are you talking about? How are you going to price it like this? How, you know, why is your ABV so high? And we said, cause there's a demographic y'all haven't identified yet. We know what's out there. Cause it's us. Well, I tell you, uh, James was nice enough to bring us some samples, which uh, my fiance quickly took, and uh, and she said <laughs> she's they got were good fantastic. Taste, right, Harry? All yes. the way around, man. She likes that Paloma, man. And uh, I did, I, I, I did get one cheese bun. It was, it was very <laughs> good. And uh, you, uh, Jordan knows that uh, you know the the cheese buns at uh, what's it called, Jordan? Saluna. Saluna. You know. You can't have more than two and you really shouldn't have more uh, less than two. Uh, it's, it's a weird thing. Um, all right. Well, oh, guys. oh, good, good. Yeah. It's a great spot. Um, well, good. Well, uh, thank you guys. We like to keep these at 30 minutes. I appreciate you guys being on. And you know what? I like seeing fellow South Texas guys making it work in the beverage business. Kind of lonely around here, you know, other, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Other than the Paps guys, there's nearly nothing going on in San Antonio. But uh, uh, I tell you, it's uh, it's exciting, and I think you guys picked the right high ABV, real agave tequila, premium price, premium packaging. Uh, you said you know you don't have any beverage experience, but whether you did or not, you you uh, you, you came up, I think, with a sweet spot uh, for for trends that are really just now starting to kick in. Uh, so I wish you well. I thank you for drinking. Thanks, right, thanks, guys. gentlemen. Really All appreciate it. Right. Thank you. Take care.